Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and welcome to Devotional. It is my prayer before every episode that this podcast will be a blessing for you. Please remember to subscribe to Devotional on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening in. This way, you will be notified every time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends and loved ones so they too can be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome once again to Devotional. We are on lesson number five, and on this episode, we are focusing on the lesson for Sunday, January 27th. Sorry if I uh, put it a little long with the intro music. I just love the sound of the waves, and I miss it um, since we've been back from Puerto Rico. Uh, I miss the sound of the waves. I don't necessarily need the, the warm weather. It's just the sound of the waves were just beautiful. Like I said in the, those episodes, it's, there's something therapeutic about the sound of waves. Anyways, we are looking at the first seal uh, today. And the first seal carries um, some very positive and beautiful imagery. But with it comes um, the element of accountability. It brings before us the idea of what God desires, yet what what God will not force. In the Old Testament, um, based on the promise of the coming Messiah, Israel was commissioned to be a light to the Gentiles and the nations. Through their feast, actually it wasn't their feast, it was the the feast that God had asked them to keep uh, all year long through the sanctuary service. And of course through Torah, through the scriptures of the prophets, uh, Moses, they were to prepare the world for the first coming of Jesus, of the Messiah. Based on the promises that God would send this Messiah, the, the Jewish nation was commissioned with that mission prepare the world for the arrival of the Messiah. But what happened? Um, I'm going to turn to one verse. Book of Daniel, chapter 9. Uh, Daniel is in captivity in Babylon. And he. this chapter is one, one of the most beautiful prayers recorded in, in the scriptures in the Old Testament. Um, and in this prayer, in uh, verse 13, um, Daniel expresses something interesting. In the middle of this prayer, Daniel says, As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from from our iniquities and understand your truth. What are these things that were written in the law of Moses, these disasters that came upon the Israelite nation? I'm just going to give you the references because they're quite lengthy. Um, Leviticus chapter 26, verses 14 through 45, and then Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 15 through 68. This is what Daniel was referring to when he speaks about the disasters that Moses spoke about. If you've read through the Bible, which I've encouraged you to do already, um, if you want to understand the book of Revelation, you definitely need to have a background in the Old Testament. 
you will remember reading passages in which God places before Israel a choice. Blessings or cursings. And then he describes what those blessings are and what those curses are. And it, it culminates with the ultimate choice of a place before you, life or death. And the injunction is, the appeal is made, please choose life. And if you're going to choose life, of course, you're going to choose the blessings. So this is how Israel started off when they will finally become this, this nation. And of course, they made the, the mistake of choosing a king, but God worked with that. And so you have David. We're going to skip over Saul. We're going to start with David. Um, David, um, and again, we're going to just look at David, um, of course, fully aware of what happened with Bathsheba. But in the end, David still was able to um, be spoken of as a, a man after God's own heart. He, he made his mistakes, but he repented, and his faithfulness was pretty much consistent throughout his life, throughout his kingdom, and his kingdom excelled. He they flourished, you know, Israel flourished under the leadership of David and then his son. But his son took it to higher levels of uh, impact and influence and wealth, of course, and earthly attainments. And when that happened, Solomon became dizzy. And he began to make decisions, uh, accumulating horses and all the things that in the law of Moses, the kings were not supposed to do. You read carefully and you see that Solomon systematically, intentionally did the very things he was not, not supposed to, including marrying women from other countries. Women that did not know God. And you know the history? After Solomon, the, the history of Israel just goes downhill generation after generation after generation. So you could summarize that the Old Testament, God's people, God's people in the Old Testament, they start off good. They have all of these advantages, right? They have the feast, the sanctuaries, Torah. They have a kingdom. And they have now, they're strategically placed in a, in a part of the world that basically all the then known world trafficked through that area. And they could spread the gospel, the preparation for the coming Messiah uh, throughout the world. Like we saw those four horses, right? The, the Spirit of God wanted to use the Jewish nation to propagate the news of the coming Messiah to every corner of the planet. But things went downhill. And so now you have the Christians. And we Christians, after Pentecost, we are giving, just like the, the Jewish nation in the Old Testament, tremendous opportunities, tremendous resources. I mean, the Holy Spirit and of course, we also had the knowledge of the sanctuary, the feast, and all those things which were antitypes. Now we have the reality. Christ, Jesus has come. He has died. And what everything in the past would have been based on the promise of the coming Messiah, now everything was based on the fulfillment of that promise of the Messiah that had come and was now in heaven interceding for us. So the Christian church starts off in identical manner, just like with David and Solomon, Boom, right? This is described as this church riding on a white horse, and the rider is going conquering victory after victory. This is how we should have stayed if the church would have continued going, being led by the Spirit of God. Um, which, when we look at the Old Testament, and then we look at the New Testament, 
I mean, we're looking at, you know, the, the trajectory now being represented by horses as the seals are breaking. Again, we're looking at human history. These symbols are pointing to the reactions of the gospel and being preached because that's when it starts in Pentecost. And it starts off really good, positive. There's expansion. The book of Acts tells us that many of the priests um, were now believing, were accepting Jesus as the Messiah. Even though Paul would find opposition, he also would find tons of believers that would, from the Jewish community, just accept and embrace Jesus as the Messiah. So the, the early church was going conquering and to conquer in spite of the, the occasional uh, local opposition. And we, as we will look later, that changes. But this would have been, could have been, should have been. So we, we end up with this question. Why has it, what was it in the Old Testament? It was hard to sustain, to maintain this first love experience with God. After all that God had done, why did the Old Testament people of God find it so difficult to sustain and maintain that first love experience? And if this, the seals follow, I mean, what they're doing is going back, you know, just like the, the seven churches in the book of Revelation, point forward historically, prophetically to the end of time, the seven seals begin at the same spot. And it begs the question, if the, this, the, the first seal, this horse, this white horse represents the early church, we know the colors will change. We know that the trajectory will not be good. Why is it that the church has such a hard time staying in love with Jesus? Why is it that it is so difficult for the church to sustain and maintain that first love? And, and if we're asking this question, right, about the Old Testament people and the New Testament early church experience, we, we can certainly ask that question for us today. Why is it so hard for me to sustain the simplicity of maintaining my first love experience with Jesus? Why is that such a difficult thing to do. I pondered that. I thought about it in the Old Testament. I thought about it in the New Testament. And I mean, the answers are multiple. But I think this question is a question for me. It's a question for you. Because your answer may not be my answer. But whatever that answer may be, it holds the key in helping us identify the things that keep us from the destiny, the desire that God wants for his church. I mean, we finished, you know, the seven churches with Laodicea, such a disappointing, anticlimactic ending. And that's not the church that makes it through the end. It is not the church that makes it through the end, which means that you and I today need to examine ourselves. What, what kind of church am I? Am I a church, am I a Christian that is experiencing victories, not because I'm learning to be stronger, but because I'm realizing how weak I really am? Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9? Most gladly, I will boast in my weaknesses so that the strength, so that the power of Christ can rest in me. Maybe the problem is when the Christian church experiences success, Maybe the problem is when the Christian church, when God's people experience financial stability and expansion and growth with relative ease. 
and not that much persecution. Maybe we get sidetracked by confusing earthly success with spiritual integrity, which are not the same thing. Just because the Seventh-day Adventist Church is now present worldwide and pretty much in every corner of the earth, there's still areas that we still need to go into, but we have now hospitals and publishing houses and schools and universities and so many other resources that we did not have 150 years ago. Maybe we are at risk. Because if we do not look at history and see this big pattern of repetition, how God's people in the Old Testament missed it, and how God's people in the New Testament also will miss it, we're still in the, 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 the good part, the white horse, conquering and going into victories. How can we stay there? We stay there when we recognize the simplicity of waking up every morning and every morning making this confession, today I need Jesus. Today I need Him. Today I need the Spirit to reawaken and rekindle this flame of my first love experience for Jesus. This is Pastor Ariel, and I hope you were blessed with today's episode of Devotional. It is my prayer this resource will inspire you to spend personal time studying God's Word, including using the study tool of our Sabbath School Quarterly. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast. This way, you will be notified each time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends through social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or the one you use regularly. This way, they can also be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a financial supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. This is Pastor Ariel inviting you to study the Bible with me again on our next episode of Devotional. Devotional.